Father, show us what it means to be lost in, in wonder, in love and praise. Um, reveal that to us increasingly. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we get rolling today, I would like you to think of something recently that just really made your day. Could be something small, could be something, you know, that you come back and you say, oh, you know, this happened, it really made my day. It was just a really encouraging thing or a really simple thing. So, for example, um, I was in Nespresso a while back. I know it's trash, but it's convenient. And uh, the guy in front of me obviously spends copious amounts of money in the shop because the fellow was looking at the screen and said, oh, um, you've uh, earned a free gift. And he gave him uh, one of those milk frothers, which cost about 60 euro or something. And the guy looked at it and said, eh, I don't want it, thanks. I said, oh, well, I mean, it's free. It's yours to take. He said, no, no, I don't need it. He said, well, what do you want me to do with it? He said, well, you just give it to the whoever's next. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> so I rocked up and uh, bought me coffee, and he said, he said uh, would you like a milk? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, I didn't even need one. I had one at home. But um, I thought to myself, well, I'll make good use for that. And then a friend of mine, um, just before Christmas, said, I'm thinking of getting my, uh, I'm going to get my wife um, one of those milk frothers. I said, hang on. And into the utility room and said, there you go. So those type of things, simple things can make, make my day. And, you know, it may be something more profound about our faith, um, but have a little chat with one another a moment about something that made your day. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you in a little minute or two to maybe share one of those stories. It's good that you're all chatting there about things that have made your day. Well, I want to start with that because Paul is celebrating something that really, really made his day in this section in, in Thessalonians. So turn with me there, please. We're on page 836. We're in our series, Live Forward. And I'm going to read from verse 17 of chapter 2 down to the end of chapter 3. Because we're doing it in bits and it helps when you've got a bit more of the context. Just to grasp a little of what's going on. First Thessalonians, uh, we'll start with 2, verse 17. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one will be unsettled by these trials. 
You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you're standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're thinking today about encouraging one another by standing firm in the Lord and the report from Timothy that Paul receives really makes his day. He says, now we really live. So I was getting you to think, to chat about things that recently really made your day. So don't be shy. Somebody tell me about something that recently made your day. Ah, yes. So when your students say they enjoy your class, I can see how that would be, make your day, yeah? Good. Any others? Yes, we're all talking. And, <laughs> and now all of a sudden, you, you, you go, another one. You've really become Irish now, Elaine, when you say, we had Irish breakfast for dinner, and that really made our day. That's not enough. <laughs> not at all confusing but I'm with you that's good that's good okay I think we'll I don't think we can beat that so we'll, we'll keep going <laughs> I'm glad that made your day well Paul's day was made here because um, he we were told just a little bit up that he, he couldn't stand not knowing what was happening with this with this young church he he was really anxious to know how they were. You see in verse 5, he said, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. So he, he feared, as he says, the end of verse 5, that in some way the tempter, being Satan, might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. So he's deeply concerned that they would have lost all their conviction about, about Jesus because of circumstantial pressure and cultural social pressure. And so Timothy was sent at great cost to, to Paul, who himself was under pressure and stress. And now he has just come back with the best possible news, verse 6. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He's brought the best possible news. 
Now, usually in, in the New Testament, when we read about good news, it's talking about the whole gospel itself. It's talking about the incarnation of Jesus, his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. All of those big themes in terms of doing everything for us to stand firm in his purposes. That's usually what is meant, the proclaiming of that good news, the telling of that reality. But Paul uses it here because it feels that magnificent to him that he says it's good news. It's, it's like that gospel good that they are in good shape, that they have profoundly vibrant faith and love. The very opposite of everything that he was fearful of. And so he's just delighted and he's exuberant about it and they are thriving in the faith and their faith in Christ is growing. Their love for one another is growing and it's something that gives Paul a great exuberant expression of joy because it means so much to him because he knows about the big picture of how significant it is with them and the Lord. And it made his day because he himself hadn't been able to get there. He was desperate to go and see them, but was prevented from going. And he longed to get there. He couldn't stand not knowing. He finally sent Timothy instead. And now he's got this wonderful report. And those feelings were, were mutual. Timothy says he, or Paul reports on Timothy saying rather in the second bit of verse 6, he has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. The encouragement is rich. And this theme of encouragement is rich in the book. And there's no bitterness or resentment coming from the Thessalonians because of Paul's absence. He, he was there for a very short period of time. He had to leave far sooner than he wanted under really difficult persecution and threat, and he hasn't been back. But that does not in any way mean that he didn't care for them, but he feared that perhaps that might have been their perception. But no, there was no resentment, no, no bitterness. They think only fondly of him, pleasant memories, and they long to see him just as much as he longs to see them. And so we're thinking about encourage one another and you see in this type of passage just the depth of the significance of one anothering has and that deeply relational effect we can have one with another as we go forward, moving towards Jesus in the faith. It's interpersonal and we have the capacity to really mutually encourage one another. And so it's obvious even from this one snippet of the New Testament and of the scriptures, that faith is not a private thing. You know, so often people say, well, it's my private faith, it's a private thing. Well, whatever kind of faith that is, it's not a biblical faith, because biblical faith is very much mutually expressed, one to another. It's not private. And when we separate ourselves from one another in that way, it, it causes damage. We, we shrink down. I mean, um, loneliness and isolation is something that is 
like a new pandemic in, in our society. People are suffering from being isolated, suffering from loneliness, and there's a, an appreciation of the value and significance of being around other people and the way in which we spark off one another relationally for our good. And that is because we are created in God's image. He is a relational God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And our faith is designed in community to thrive, not in isolation. And wonderfully, wherever it is you may um, be coming from today, there is the capacity for you to be invited into this community, to this church, to Emmanuel. Because church, whether it's here or elsewhere, when it's truly driven from the, the Bible, it's nothing got to do with your performance or your, your status for you to be included. It's not about knowing the right people or having the right connections. It's not about looking or sounding a particular way. But it's on faith in the person of Jesus and all that he has done on our behalf. Not about anything that I have done to be better than the next person. And about the love that we enjoy one with another. And that is something we can all be invited into and appreciate and enjoy regardless of what has gone before for good or for ill. And that is deeply encouraging because it is totally inclusive, the ultimate inclusive reality. And that's what we celebrate today. And Paul is encouraged by what he saw and heard from Timothy. And he goes on, verse 7, Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Paul who was so solid in his convictions about the person of Jesus and wanting to make him known to others, needed encouragement. And he was encouraged by these baby Christians in a very young church because simply they were still living the reality of who Jesus was. He in no way just thought, well, I'm the one who does all the encouraging around here, you know. I'm, the, I'm an apostle. He needed the encouragement of others and appreciated it and welcomed it and thrived on it. And all of us need that, whether we think we're the strong person and we're used to things of faith or whether we're brand new to it. We have this shared reality of seeking to encourage one another and that need. Now, Paul, Timothy was sent to encourage them, but Paul was the one encouraged himself. He says, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. <clears throat> On Friday, I went to visit our oldest Emmanuelite. He's uh, in his 90s. He's um, awaiting moving into, into further care. But um, he doesn't have any, any family. So he, his name is Douglas. He was here. Anna remembers Douglas. Some of you will remember him. But he was here for decades, long before me. And I went to see him and I said, well, what, what scripture would you like me to read um, for you, Douglas? And he said, well, you can, you can choose what you'd like. And so I said, well, we're reading Psalm 126 in our reading on Sunday. So how about I read that? And like that, he was quoting the, contact, the content of the psalm. He who goes out weeping comes back with joy, sheaves in, in his hand. I felt really emotional. 
you know, because this man's in the winter of his life and his body's failing him and his mind is failing him, but the scriptures are still there. And he can, you name any psalm, he'll recite something from it. He knows it. So I go there to encourage him. I'm bringing him a chocolate orange or whatever. <laughs> you know, and I'm coming away really humbled and encouraged by going to see him. And that's very often how these things work. You, you have the purpose of seeking to encourage, and yet you are the one who is, who's, you come away thinking, you know what, I think that did me more good than them. And that's the kind of dynamic that Paul is talking about here when he says, therefore, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. He really needed that encouragement that things were stressful in all our distress and persecution. These were... You have to understand that these were real experiences for Paul. You know, you can't just kind of spiritualize it away. He was, it was distressing. It was difficult what he was going through. And it's almost like a, a choking-like trouble that, that he felt in his own setting and thinking about them. And he has brought deep encouragement in that isolation and oppression because of their faith. It's a very powerful thing. We can encourage one another, you know, whether it is that we are in our 90s with every one of our, all of our system just breaking down, you can still encourage. Whether it is that you are up in your faith, so to speak, or you're feeling, you're feeling down. And we do that because we say, look, this is what I'm going through at the moment. This is where I'm at. I'm not in a good place, or this is what I'm celebrating but I'm moving towards God with that. I'm expressing where I'm at towards God, and I'm depending, I'm depending on him in this. That is to encourage one another. You can say, look, I've been through this thing, and it's not been good, but I've learned, I've learned more about my own um, selfishness in this thing. I've learned more about my own, my own laziness or, or my own greed. And you know what? That's been hard, but it's been good for me. And I, I've been caused to... Repent more about that. And I've known God's grace to me in that. You can be, you know, on fire, so to speak, just, just loving all things got to do with the gospel. Maybe you're new to faith and it feels vibrant and wonderful. Maybe you're a lot more long in the tooth and you're just battered by life and by circumstances. And, but even in that weakness and that instability, we're able to say, but... I'm standing firm on, on Jesus. That's, that's my reality. Because I know I, I can't stand firm on my own two feet. And that's what encouraged Paul here. He said, now we really live, verse 8, since you're standing firm in the Lord. He said, now we can, it's like he's saying, now we can breathe again. We're given a new lease of, of life. It's like a resurrection kind of Language that he's using to express just how significant this is. And he's bouncing and he's hardly able to sit down and, and, and write because they had stuck with Jesus despite all the persecution they had experienced, despite the way in which Satan sought to thwart and destabilize them. They're in good shape because they're standing firm, not in themselves, 
but in Jesus. And Paul's overjoyed about that. And he is deeply excited about that reality, despite his going through the stress. And he's also encouraged about what this will mean for the, how the gospel will be received by others, because there maybe is this perception that this Jesus message is just a passing fade. And once, once people realize that it's difficult and it's against everything that is in this culture, they'll just drop it. It'll be like all the other cults we've seen and the inconvenience and hassle of it will just go away. And how would that affect going to speak about Jesus subsequently? But these people are standing firm saying, no, we're sticking with this. It's true. Even if you persecute us, even if you seek to manipulate us and, and threaten us, we are sticking with this Jesus because it's true. And this faith is real. And our love for one another is testament to that. And that's, we're going to stand firm exactly where we started out. And Paul is delighted with that reality. All had not been lost. They're standing firm. And it's not just like a standing still and not moving. It's also a call to continue to do the same. So they've been standing firm in Jesus, putting their confidence in him. And it is also a, you're the English teachers, when, when you have a verb that keeps going and is present, what's that called? Present continuous. Maybe it is. I don't know. It's, it's, when you're a first language English speaker, you know nothing about grammar. <laughs> anyway, this, this idea is of, you know, they're not just standing still is what I'm getting at, but, it, but it's a call to, now keep doing that. You know, keep standing firm. It's a continuous thing. It's a call to action that, that he's given them. And that is for every season of life and of our experience. So we're called to stand firm in the Lord, in Jesus, because it's a constant referral to him. That is the heart of the Christian life. It's about everything that he has done. That's why the Christian life is so bound up with liberty and freedom, because it's not about your performance, but it's about what Jesus has done, and faith is a gift from God himself, not about you, you earning it in any way. And so we're invited to drop all pretense of our performance or all fear of our failure and simply rely on Jesus alone what he has done for us and stand firm in him come what may so that means you can stand firm when you're on top of the world if you've just been told thank you for the lesson or you've been promoted or um, you're you're feeling refreshed you're feeling at liberty in yourself you know you've got to skip in your in your step or um, those, those good experiences where you're joyful and exuberant and just feel light. But also when you know that you're, you're really just on your knees, you're struggling, you're not in a good place, you're broken, you've been made redundant or your mental health is suffering or you're destitute or you can't get somewhere to live in this city or you're working two jobs and you're struggling to pay the rent, you're struggling to get to church, you're in despair, you're lonely, you're disappointed. Life's not what you thought it would be. You're weak, you're needy, you're burnt out, you're tired out. You're sick, you're dying. You can stand firm and call to stand firm in the Lord in everything because it's about what he has done and your faith being in him. 
and we can encourage one another, whatever it is today might be bringing us or we're fearful about the future or change is afoot that we're uncertain of, we can still encourage one another by saying, I'm feeling really confused right now, but I'm, I'm moving towards God. I'm bringing that in prayer to Jesus and just saying, I don't know what's going on, but I'm looking to you in it. That's encouraging for us to hear one from another. It's not just about the highs, so to speak, but also about how we move towards God and Jesus in faith and love in, in the lows. So encourage one another by referring to Jesus in all of those seasons. Tell one another, tell one another how you're directing your troubles and doubts to him. That's standing firm. And that thankfulness, that thankfulness flows deeply from Paul, where he says, how can we thank God enough for you in return, verse 9, for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? How can we thank God enough for you? Now, I've got to go back to uh, the dentist tomorrow. And I say back because he says I have what's called a, a busy tooth. So um, I went to see him. He checked it out and he said, well, this is uh, going to require a referral. So I thought, ooh, I don't like the sound of that. So he sent me off to a referral to this uh, Italian dentist who... Um, who checked me over and then he said, oh, I'm gonna to have to bring you back. I wasn't expecting that. He brought me back and he, he spent two hours or whatever doing a root canal. Then he sends this letter, sends me back to my, my dentist. So I go back to, to my dentist and he checks it over and he does what he does. And then he says, hmm, I'm not gonna be able to finish this today. I need to make a particular kind of topping for the crown. And that's going to take a bit of time. So we need to make another appointment. This is a busy tooth. So by the time this is done, I'll have had five appointments, right? This is Ireland. Dentists cost a bomb, right? An absolute mint. If you don't know that already, you'll soon find out. Do you know how much I paid for it? Zero. Because my dentist is my friend. He doesn't charge me as a gift, part of his giving. He's a Christian. He sees that as part of his giving, and I don't pay. He paid for the referral. Now, how do you thank somebody like that? You know, I can't pay the guy. I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford him. So I got him a nice bottle of whiskey, a fancy bottle, mind you, but Nothing like what it would have cost for the work. Because it's, a, it's important to say thanks as, look, we say, don't we, look, it's just a token to show we're thankful. And the person recognizes that you appreciate their giving and you're not trying to pay them back because you can't, but you want to say thanks. And that is good and right and appropriate. But you know, I, I couldn't, you know, make up the difference. And that is the reality that Paul is celebrating here when he says in verse 9, how can we thank God enough? He knows he can't. In return for all the joy we have 
in the presence of our God because of you. How can you thank him enough freely? He knows you can't. You just you couldn't pay God back, so to speak, with, with the thanks. But he wants to express that token appreciation, say, and so because we can't thank God enough, we thank God for everything that we see in you and for all the joy that we have in God's presence because of you. And he says, night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. They're thankful to God because God is the source of their standing firm ultimately. And he is encouraged by their standing firm in the Lord, but he's encouraged ultimately because God is the one who has enabled them to do so. God is the one who is to be thanked and God is the one who brings them joy. God is the one that Paul is most responsive to for the joy that they have because of them. God has kept them. They're his people. Thanks are deeply appropriate. Even, you know, when you let somebody out in the traffic, if you drive here in Dublin, and they don't acknowledge you, that's not good. We don't like that. We don't like that one bit. Like you didn't even wave. You know, you could, what, you could have at least pressed the hazards. How hard can it be? You know, so you get really annoyed. You think, he should, be, he should say thanks. If you're one of those people that don't acknowledge that, shame on you. And so because, you know, the opposite of thanks is this sense of entitlement. And nobody likes that. It's not a good thing. And so the giving thanks is appropriate. It's given in the presence of the Lord. It's given in prayer. And in this instance, Paul is praying from the heart that he may actually get to see them again and supply what is lacking in your faith. The reason he says that is because he had to leave so quickly. And he wants to teach them so much more. He wants to finish what he had started among them and encourage them in the faith. And all of us, you know, are in that same position of lacking in our faith and need to see one another in order to supply what is lacking. We come together like this is a way to do that. All of us are in that place. It's a constant learning curve. You shouldn't always only be reminded of things in, in the faith because God is infinite. We are finite. We're all on a learning curve. And we are all seeing, okay, where am I lacking? How can I grow? Where do I see lack in you? How can I encourage you? How can you encourage me? We help each other to see where those areas are. And we learn from one another how it is we are to stand firm in Jesus. And so I want to invite you to do that in our community here in, in Emmanuel. Do that by coming here regularly. Commit to a church if you haven't yet. If it's not here, that's fine. Just commit somewhere and stay there. And come with an open heart, saying where you're at, and saying, pray for me in this. How can I pray for you? And then just do it there and then. And let's encourage one another by standing firm in the Lord, in Jesus, and knowing that it is God ultimately who we have to thank for that. So let's pray.
Our Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for the joy that Paul had because of how the, this young church was doing. Help us to take an interest in one another's lives in a way that enables us to give and receive from one another encouragement. And whether that's when we're, we're really in a dark place or maybe feeling indifferent to things or just a bit flat or when we are full of joy and everything else that comes in between. And we never know what a day is going to bring and what, will, what it will call us to, to say and do in order to stand firm. But you know our every need and our every weakness. And we pray that your spirit would give us that desire to encourage one another, to stand firm in you, uh, come what may. Help us to do that, Lord. You know that when we when we are feeling pressured, we, we sometimes think that we can't, we can't move forward at all. And so we pray that, that that reality would call us not to despair, but to delight in, in what Jesus has done for us. So encourage us to encourage one another. In Jesus' name, amen.